Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Hi, this is Ben Mackay from the North Melbourne Footy Club and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. Here is your host, Dean. Thank you very much, Ben Mackay, and welcome back to Form as well, Ben. And also, welcome back to another episode. If this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome. My name is Dean Vasic, and you can find me on Twitter at hashtag Kangas or on Instagram at hashtag Kangaroos Podcast. Also on TikTok as well, now at hashtag Kangaroos One. So today I'm back with the boys, Frank and Jesse, to talk about the North versus Essendon game that we almost won, unfortunately on the end of another heartbreaking loss, but there was a lot to like. A little bit more Clarko talk as well, as uh, plenty of George Wardlaw talk. Um, so there was plenty to discuss, um, so let's not waste any more of your valuable, precious time and bring on Frank and Jesse right now. Tonight, I welcome back the boys, uh, Frank and Jesse. Mark is off tonight. Uh, he's catching up with a beer with his good mate, Bomber Boss, uh, from Twitter. So he's uh, decided to do that instead of uh, put the podcast as a priority. So all thoughts with Mark, and I hope he's having a good time. Now, we have a lot to go through. And before we start to talk about the game that just preceded us, um, we came on last week uh, – Frank and Mark came on last week when the news just broke that AFL couldn't find any evidence and cleared the people in question, Clarko, Fagan and Bert. Since then, um, it's gotten ugly and it's only going to get messier, isn't it, Jesse? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's, look, it's a really unfortunate situation, as, as we've all said a few times uh, for, for everyone involved, but it's... Um, yeah, it's been messy. It's been messy. The media has been like sharks and sharks to blood. Um, they've, you've got people who are saying that it was farcical that it, that they couldn't find anything that they that they're just protecting it. You've got people who who are you know shooting the other way. It's it's just been a massive divide. And you you know you, you've got people in the media making absolutely ridiculous comments about should Clarko even come back at all. Um, I don't see an easy resolution to this. The AFL's kind of just wiped their hands and said, well, it's not really our, you know, they've kind of realised that it's not really their place to be involved in the first place. It only took them eight months to realise. So they're going to go deal with Hawthorne now and we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Um, and the rest of it's going to go to, yeah, it's going to go to some form of tribunal, uh, whether or not it's, um, you know, the the human rights uh thing that they're, they're, they're talking about or whether or not they go to the federal courts or, you know, whether or not they can come to some form of terms. It's, it's just, it's a really unfortunate situation with whoever involved. And I don't see, see it being over too easy. Um, the only thing is that obviously the AFL panel did have some legal representation reviewing the evidence. Uh, I don't, the fact that they had, I believe a former federal judge, um, or at least a judge of some description looking over the, you know, the evidence and, and trying to make some semblance of order to what they were doing. Uh, I don't think if it goes to federal court that the guys are going to be found guilty, regardless of if they did or didn't do it. There's just not going to be the evidence to do it. And I think, like, in the last week in the, uh, the statement that Cyril and the other players uh, made, um, 
you know, I think the tone of the words changed a little bit. And I think, you know, there was really more of a, this is our perception of, of, of the events that happened. And no doubt there was a really hard environment at the club. Um, and I think it became a little bit more of, this is our perception of the things that happened and just the effect they had had on us. And that becomes really, really tricky because absolutely these, these players could have felt that what they were being told or what they were being advised um, was targeted at them. It's really hard when you get into people's perception. And, you know, I, I, I don't think they're liars. I think that's their perception of events, the same as probably the coaches were trying to give really good advice to everyone at the club or trying to give what they thought at least was, you know, good advice to everyone at the club. So, it, look, it's a bit of a mess, the situation, unfortunately. Mm. Now, Frank, I'm not understanding where these allegations are coming from, um, especially when these individuals seem to endorse um, like Fagan, Clarkson um, and Burt when they stopped playing or retired. It's very strange, isn't it? Yeah, Dean, I think the one thing that we'll take out of all of this is that whatever the result is at the end, uh, there'll be a number of people that aren't happy with it from either side and some lawyers are going to get very, very wealthy is about the only thing I can yeah. see coming out of this. Because if I'm a lawyer representing Clarkson and Fagan, I'm pulling out those um, historical articles and saying, uh, well, then why did you say this? And then on their side, I could understand them coming out and saying, look, I was asked to by the media. I didn't want to cause waves. And like Jesse said, this, this will become messy. Lawyers will get really wealthy and in the end, it doesn't matter which way it goes. There'll be a number or there'll be a divide between people who thought that whoever got the whack didn't get the right whack. Mm, yeah, it sounds like it, doesn't it? So, mm. yeah, it's uh, it's only – and this could last a long, long time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think more will come out in the next uh, – in the coming weeks. And uh, like Jesse said, I there, there doesn't seem like there's much evidence except for his word against mine kind of thing. So, um, yeah. It's, uh, it's not a very winnable situation for anyone involved, unfortunately. Um, we'll go to the game now. Uh, Jesse, full credit to the boys, but the first quarter, and similar to the Swans game, it could have been over a quarter time. Merritt was doing whatever he liked. Uh, 16 possessions, two goals, 270 metres gained. Uh, Essendon had 15 of the first 17 inside 50s and only a 20-point margin. After that, after that, I think we kept the Bombers goalless in the second quarter after that slow start. Uh, after, yeah, after a, a pretty after our slow start, I can't remember when we kept a, uh, a team goalless in the quarter. Can you? Oh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Maybe, maybe a maybe a rained out game or something. I don't, like. Uh, I can't remember. It, it was pretty incredible the turnaround. Um, yeah, we we started really slow. We didn't have any energy. Um, Traditionally against Essendon, when I've watched the games against Essendon, I think every North fan pays a little bit more attention when we play Essendon, but I've also got a lot of friends that are Essendon supporters, and thus I've been to most of the games. And I think traditionally they've blown us up out of the middle. They've always looked too quick for us. They've just run away from us. And that looked like that was the case in the first quarter. Merritt was just running away from people and they couldn't catch him. Um, we had no energy. Everyone just ran off everyone. And it was just, it was a shamble the first quarter. And it was a massive turnaround. It, structurally, we just looked significantly better in the second quarter onwards. Um, I thought, I thought you know, the main changes came in the midfield. I thought Raps really got around the, the midfielders and challenged them. I mean, 
interestingly yeah. enough, and, we, and pe people can debate this, you know, ongoing. Uh, once Simkin and Greenwood went out of the side, we looked like a completely dy a different dynamic. Uh, we looked quicker. We looked fresher. We had more energy. Um, and that's no knock on those guys. Actually, Simkin hadn't done much up until his injury. He was having a pretty slow game to start it off. Uh, Greenwood was being his normal self, tackling pressure. He, he, I thought he was actually having a pretty decent game up until his concussion, um, while Simkin wasn't really on. But from that second quarter onwards, we dominated the statistics. We absolutely brutalised their midfield. And they've got a... Yes, they have a, you know, a couple of injuries, but they have semi-decent midfield. You've got Stringer rolling through. Their merits are genuine A-plusser. You've got you know some good kids in there. Hobbs looks like he's going to be a decent kid. You've got Caldwell, who I really rate. Perkins is very classy and rolls in there. Stringer's been a nightmare for us traditionally going forward. He had a decent game by the end of it, but the last few years, I think they showed it in the... Um, in the highlights before the game for anyone who watched it on TV. His numbers against us over the last five meetings are absolutely absurd. Ever since he's been a bomber, he has blown us away, whether or not it's multiple bags of goals, disposals. And I think McDonald did an absolutely fabulous job on him when he played forward, did an absolutely great job on him when he played forward. And when he was in the midfield, I don't think he got a few disposals by the end of it, but I don't think he was bursting away. He wasn't his normal self. Um, so I think that's a massive credit to the boys. Dylan, uh, uh, to um, Liam Shields on our end, huge credit for what he was able to do to merit for the three quarters. Um, you know, he came off of his normal wing position, played a tagging role and did an absolutely fantastic job. And he was really the, the only senior player that we had rolling into the midfield, uh, apart from Taron Thomas, who's obviously been away for a while. Um, but Jesus, look, all results aside, it's 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 pretty hard not to get excited by the, the three kids in the midfield. No, oh, definitely not. And we'll talk about them uh, pretty soon, I think. Now, Frank, we had, I think, six unanswered goals from the second quarter to the third quarter. We had them on the ropes, and I felt like that they were there to be buried. But we had another bad five-minute spell after we got um, 17 points in front. Uh, they kicked four unanswered goals against the momentum. Uh, and then it was goal for goal after that. We've put ourselves in winning situations, and I think it's a belief thing now where we almost think that we aren't good enough to be in front and we become reactive uh, again, where I think in maybe 12 months' uh, time, when we get momentum, we'll bury teams and, get a seven, and go to a seven-goal lead. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so, Dean. I, I think uh, we were probably um, uh, mentally wounded with, the, with the, only the three on the bench. Uh, and, you know, as a supporter, I kind of thought, well, will this come back to haunt us halfway through the last quarter? I wonder whether the playing group thought that a little bit. It certainly didn't look like it uh, in the middle. They, they, as Jess said, they were full of energy. A couple of silly mistakes, Dean. We don't need to go over, uh, well, we probably will a bit later on, but a couple of silly mistakes. The ones that you remember, the one at, at the ones at the end, but I think Nick Larkey's one where he had the uh, free kick overturned really hurt us as well. That That really kind of drove the momentum the other way. Just little things like that that I think as we get smarter and uh, a, a little bit more um, uh, sort of tolerant with what opposition are trying to do with us uh, or do to us will we'll become a lot better. So I think the, I think a, a win isn't too far away. I think they can really sense it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we certainly hope hope not. Uh, we've said it uh, for a few weeks now, but um, yeah, we've certainly put ourselves in winning situations mm-hmm. and uh, played some good football. Um, you know, I, I said I tweeted that it was one of the best games I've been to for years uh, on Sunday. I would have been better if we won, of course, but uh, yeah, yeah, the atmosphere was uh, fantastic. Uh, it, you know, all supporters were riding bumps and tackles and every possession. So no, it was it was uh, it was good to be in that sort of involved in that sort of game again, rather than. Uh, Halfway through the third quarter, trying to find a positive when you're eight goals down or something like that. So, yeah, no, there's lots of like now. We'll go to the back line. Uh, Jess, Ben Mackay was back to his best once again, wasn't he, with uh, eight intercept marks and 14 intercepts all up. Absolutely, and reflected in the uh, in the coaches' votes as well. Um, he was really, really good. He looked like someone who wasn't focusing about the outside pressure, uh, wasn't focusing about the media noise that's going on, uh, you know, the noise from some some people in the media and some people who are fans of the club saying he's gone, let's just get rid of him, what can we get for him? And, and people who've been questioning his form, uh, he was back to what we expect him to do and what he's been doing for the last few years. Uh, it's a bit bittersweet um, because we don't know if he's going to stay or not. Uh I mean, I think we all kind of think that he's probably going to be on the way out. Um, So it is a little bit bittersweet, unfortunately, because he played such a good game. Um, But look, at the end of the day, we we need him to play well for the rest of the year, regardless of if he is going or not going. So it was good to see him back and confident again. It makes a massive difference to our back line. Oh, it made a huge difference, I felt. And, uh, yeah, it definitely uh, saved a lot of goals. Uh, I wouldn't mind talking about a couple of vet- veterans uh, in the back line. Uh, we'll start with Jack Zeeble. Uh Frank, he has the most out-of-bounds on the full in the history of the AFL. A lot of people saying that maybe it's time to keep going down the youth. They might have mentioned it on a first crack, and David King uh, might have said something uh, to that effect. He did struggle, but over the course of this season, he'll probably be top three now being F, and surely we can't... Uh, Write him off after one bad game, can we? Uh, no, uh, Dean. And again, as I think I said last week, that's all well and good to to uh, pop the guy, but someone's got to replace him. It's not just a matter of dropping him. Um, you've, you've got to have someone of, of the ilk or better that can replace him. Now, uh, Aiden Core, yeah, look, he, he hasn't exactly set the world on fire. I don't think his attack on the contested footy is anywhere near as hard as Jack's is. And we all know that Jack's never been a great kick. And we remember those out-of-bounds on the full because they were late in the game. Had they been in the first quarter, we'd hardly remember them. Uh, but I, I'm happy for him to retain his spot until somebody, whether it's uh, uh, a Goda or, or an Archer or someone really puts the blowtorch on him with performances in the twos and, and really says, look, I'm here to take your spot. But at the moment, I can't see anyone really that deserves it ahead of him. Yeah, and he has a lot of uh, leadership out on the ground as well. He's very vocal out there and trying to set up a back line and very encouraging as well. So yeah. I'll play as accountable. So, yeah, no, look, and look, maybe by the end of the year, uh, in a few weeks' time, there might be someone that will take his spot. And I guess if that happened, that wouldn't be a bad thing either. So, yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's the equivalent that's happened to Ben Cunnington. You know, yeah. uh, it's just been pushed out simply because of the pressure from underneath from the young kids. So, you know, I'd be saying if I'm Brett Ratton, I'd be saying to the blokes playing in a similar position in the twos, if you want his spot, you've got to show us something in the twos. And I just haven't seen enough of anyone defensively that suggests that they're a better option than Jack Zeeble. 
No, I watched a little bit um, on the, on the weekend against Essendon, and I, I can't really see anyone in there, like you said, that's uh, really putting his hand up to take his spot um, at the moment. You you might have Aiden Bonner, uh, might be one, but uh, I'll probably trust, trust Jack Siebel uh, more than Aiden Bonner at this stage. But uh, we'll we'll go forward uh, to another veteran, Aaron Hall, Jesse. I thought he played. Well, uh, we need his run out of the back half, and I was really surprised he didn't do his hamstring when he ran 70 <laughs> metres full ball to force the rush behind the last quarter. Um, yeah, where he was trailing his opponent pretty much. I thought he did a really good job. How did you see his game? Like, I mean, look at his stats. I'll, I'll go through them now. 27 touches, 589 metres gained. Uh, he had uh, you know six intercepts as well, four score involvements. Uh, a lot of people didn't really rate his game, sort of said uh, he turned it over too much, but I thought he played okay. Yeah, look, I thought he had a really mixed game. Uh, it was hard to tell, and I can I, I, I kind of see where the noise is coming from from both directions. Um, I thought, you know, he obviously got a lot of disposal. I thought he did a few – there was a few moments in particular that I thought he was really good. Um there were some moments where I thought he wasn't as good. He, I, I, I think he goes out of the side before Jack Siebel does yeah, um, because right. he doesn't have the leadership. He doesn't have a, the defensive attack on the ball. He, he is really just, a, I'm going to get the ball and run with it. Um, he, he doesn't add a lot defensively. I think he had like two tackles and 10 pressure acts or something along those, uh, uh, those it's, it, it's a tough one. I I think, he, yeah, I think he's the first one out of the side when a Goda or an Archer or someone applies genuine pressure for his position. I thought there was a few turnovers in particular that were costly um, that were and were probably noticeable and why people are picking on him. Um, but I thought it was a solid game. My initial reaction afterwards when I was upset was, was the let's chop him and see will reaction as well. But, you know, after sitting down and going through it and looking at the stats and, and, and having a, a better think about it, I don't have him out of my side this week, particularly because of the other injuries we've got. So, you know, we're going to have a few other faces come in this week, especially around the midfield. So it means we don't want to be throwing too many other magnets around. I, I think... My preference still is that it is only one of him or Jack in the team, just because we do need to be getting some games into some kids. And unfortunately, you know, Goda's injured at the moment. Archer's really just come back from injury. So it limits our our options, especially when it comes to the, the backliners, unless I think one of my suggestions was bring Core in, but get him to just purely play defensively, albeit his form hasn't been great. But for what we're paying him, it should be. Um, get get him to play defensive or even a Callan Dawson play defensive medium and then have someone else play the attacking role. So there's a few things we could do, but look, I, again, I thought it was a solid game. It wasn't, a, it definitely wasn't a droppable game. You can't be getting dropped when you're getting that many, that much of the ball. And he still went at 78% disposal efficiency. So, you know, while you remember the turnovers, same as you said about, you know, Zebel, if that had happened in the first quarter, would we really be talking about it? I understand Kingy's point. Absolutely. You know, the kids have got the energy, bring them in. But the kids in the back, there's no King kids who are playing in the back line screaming for it at the moment. You could maybe argue Perez had a decent game by the end of it, uh, kicked a goal as well. Um, but I'd like to see a few more weeks of Perez doing that in seconds before we bring him in. Yeah, I mean... 
uh, like Perez is a bit bit different. He's a bit slower than Aaron Hall, whereas Aaron Hall, yeah, can can give you a bit more, you know, uh, run and carry. Whereas Flynn Perez is, yeah, probably, uh, yeah, just, um, yeah, not as quick. I, I guess. No, it's more I'm more the go to type that you want. Yeah, or a Hall, someone who's got either run or an elite kick yeah. to get the ball out of there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of hard to find. We don't have many on our list, unfortunately, at the moment. Right. So, yeah, we're probably – he might yeah, – like you said, he'd probably be uh, in this week. But uh, he's on. The, he's always on the fringes. Like, he's not uh, He's not uh, cemented in your 22. Uh, another veteran, Frank, uh, Todd Goldstein. Uh, he started off really slow, especially in the first quarter. Um, we were getting uh, obliterated in the midfield. But worked his way into the game and had a very influential game in the end going against Sam Draper and Andrew Phillips, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought myself that, um, I don't know how Essendon people saw it, but I thought Draper really set up the win and he was in, in different stages of the game. He was the difference, particularly when Goldstein went off. Um, I thought yeah. Draper really took control. Uh, but yeah, obviously, look, the entire centre square just was not working in that first quarter. It was training drill stuff. So full credit to not only him, but the, the guys that went into the midfield, they, they managed to not only... Uh, steady the ship, but in in the end, at, at, at during patches of the game, they looked to be in complete control of the centre square. So it was a a really good comeback from from uh, Todd. Yeah, it did look um, pretty scary early because it looked like Draper and uh, was doing whatever he liked, uh, particularly in that first quarter. It was pretty much catching out of the ruck and just feeding the midfield. But uh, he adjusted really well, and um, you know he's uh, he's going to have his uh, he's, he's going to be tested over the next few weeks too, Todd Goldstein, because as as uh, you pointed out, uh, Frank uh, Tristan Sherry is due to come back this week, so it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, unfolds when both players are fully fit and who gets the nod. Um, yeah, because it yeah. Uh, might tell a story about his future whether he gets another year or not. So we'll uh, we'll wait and see on that. But at the moment, I can't question him. Um, yep. And his form at the moment, uh, he's still uh, he's still going pretty strong at uh, thirty four years old. Uh, midfield, Jesse, um, are we building that statue of George Wardlaw at the front of Arden Street yet? Oh God, uh, you know we we started the year with Sheasel and we thought he was the the second coming. Um, I, I, I tell you what, maybe Wardlaw's the second coming. He, uh, you know, Sheasel, rightfully so, has done some ridiculous stuff in the first half of this year. But Wardlaw is really showing some exciting signs. He is his attack on the contest. He's able. He's he's sidestep. His strength, he's able to his ability to throw someone off him when they try and tackle him. His want for the ball, he, he some of his kicking, like I, there was some comments on his kicking saying, "Oh, you know, he's really good, but he's not too clean," which doesn't matter because of the type of player he is. Some of his kicks were fantastic. He is really, really exciting, and and, and what he's forming with the other midfielders is, is is unbelievable. You know, I think if we can take any positive out of you know this year thus far, it's Sheasel and Wardlaw are going to be North Melbourne players for the next several years, and that's really, really exciting. You had Phillips into it, who's the last two weeks, I think, you know, started to believe. You've got all of these other, you know, young mids who can come in and out of the side. So, you know, we're, we're definitely building something. I, you know, some of, I think for the last four weeks, we've been top four in our midfield. Um, I, our contested game is unbelievable. 
uh, and we've got LDU out of the side. Um, it's pretty pretty lucky. We're, we're definitely building something there. I, I, I'm starting to really see some positive signs, even though we're not getting the wins on the board. And if I can quickly just go back to Goldstein uh, on the previous point, I saw a statistic today saying that only one Ruckman for the entire year has scored over 100 uh, champion data or super coach points for those who play fantasy. But um, champion data points against him, a ranking against him this year. He's the most most difficult ruckman, or at least North Melbourne is the most difficult team, and Goldstein in particular, is the most difficult ruckman to ruck against for an opposition ruck in the in the AFL, um, which is really in- interesting statistic, um, I thought, and I think that's a credit to how he's going. And you know, yeah, I, I agree with the previous comments. He had a difficult first quarter, but everyone at North did, so uh, that was really good to see. But yeah, look, George Wardlaw. Um, yeah, I was going to get the Sheasel, the Sheasel number on my uh, jersey, but uh, I might be getting the Wardlaw number. Yeah, you might actually get in line for that. I think that's going to yeah sell out pretty quick, to be honest with you, the way he's going. Um, yeah, no, it's just um, it, his ability to find space in tight contests as well. And like you said, he's very strong around the hips. He's very hard to tackle. So, yeah, very explosive, um, which is a different type of midfielder to what we're used to, really. Very explosive, um, straight out of the pack. So, yeah, no. I mean, like Brett Ratton said, he's still got to work on a couple of things, uh, his positioning and just his probably awareness. Got, uh, got caught a couple of times, but we don't really care about that at this stage, especially three games into a career. But um, Frank, it was a great response after a really slow start. Now, but our quality of clearances, like I just said, the last few weeks has been outstanding, haven't they? I guess it all starts with Will the Thrill Phillips. About 28 possessions. Um, uh, I'm just going through stats now. Uh, 53 pressure points, uh, 8 clearances, uh, 220 metres gained um, in eight score environments. Um, his ability to find space for his fellow midfielders um, is, yeah, is really starting to show now, isn't it? I guess it's a young kid starting to get belief, Dean, uh, which a lot yeah. of us sort of thought, you know, uh, and he'll find his feet, and he's certainly doing that. Uh, and I've got uh, a couple of friends that were involved uh, in the under-18 comp. And uh, every time his name came up over the last two years was give it time. The kid's an absolute jet, give it time. And, um, you know, he's starting to show that. And the beauty is now, you know, we're rolling these kids through. You, you know, if we can get uh, Thomas and Simkin and LDU all to play in the same team and then your second your second string on ballers, uh, are Wardlaw, Sheasel and, and Phillips, all of a sudden, you know, you've got an, a really, really powerful midfield uh, for the entire game, and that's what we've always wanted. And he's put his hand up, and all credit to him. He's he's been absolutely outstanding. So I hope he continues along that path. Yeah, and he's just taken his opportunity when there has been injuries. We've had LDU out, um, and we had a couple of injuries happen throughout the game. Hugh Greenwood, Ben Cunnington's lost lost a bit of form obviously, and we had Jai Simpkin go down, which meant more midfield time for him and probably more midfield time for him the last few weeks um, through other injuries as well. So, yeah, he's taken his opportunities. But a player that I'm a little worried about, Jesse, is uh, Tom Powell. I can't see a spot for him right now, can you, in that midfield? Eight possessions mm. with three centre-bounce attendances. He seems well down to pecking order right now, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I, I've thought about this a fair bit over the last few days in terms of what our best midfield mix is, not just at the moment, but going forward. I, I still really rate Tom Power. I mean, we saw what he could do in his first season. He 
the problem is as a as a junior, and I think his best role is in that centre bounce, which is probably the same as a lot of our mids, because a lot of our mids are pure genuine mids, unfortunately, other than you know Sheasel, Thomas, etc. Um, I think he's a pure genuine mid, meaning he needs to be fighting with Phillips, LDU, Simkin, Greenwood, etc. for that spot. Um, I think. If given the opportunity in the guts, he can. I think he'd rack up disposals. We think he, you know his handball is really good, um, but in the pecking order at the moment, he's not getting that. He's play, he's playing flanks. He was the sub this week, um, and he effectively got three quarters of a game in, and he only got the eight disposals, like you said. So it, look, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult one because I think if he goes down to the VFL, he plays centre for the entire game. Um, I think he's a genuine midfielder. And, you know, he was a top 15 talent who used to rack him up and get 30-plus every every game in the juniors. So I think there's a part of me that says we've got to stop trying to be clever with him, playing him in these positions that just don't suit a player of his mould. He doesn't look like a halfbacker to me. He doesn't look like a half-forward to me. Potentially, he could play wing, um, but you'd have to teach it to him. Um, so unless you're going to actively say to him, we want you to play a different role, uh, then he's got to be playing in the seconds in the midfield and fighting for a spot with the other genuine midfielders. Um, it's a bit of a shame. Uh, I would love to have him in the team, team as a genuine mid. I would love to see, you know, your sim can move out a little bit more. I'd love to see some of the other older players maybe move out, do other roles a little bit more to give them games, but. You know the coaches would know better than us, and if he's not, if he's not firing, or if he's not doing something right, or they don't think we're as a stronger midfield when he is in the centre, then we have to trust them. Oh, hundred percent. Um, yeah, he got his opportunity against Gold Coast, and there's one other game, and he didn't really take it. And whereas Will Phillips has come in and has taken his opportunity, and I think that's the difference at the moment. So, yeah, look, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, come, you know, there 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 is rumours going around that he, he might want to go back to Adelaide at the end of the year. And if we've got a plethora of midfielders, then he, you know, it might be best for him to find that opportunity at another club. Um, and we probably would be able to uh, get good compensation for him. He's only 21 years old. And, yeah, I mean, another midfielder that uh, we got back, Frank, was Taron Thomas. Uh, he looked hungry and had a point to prove on Sunday. Whatever we think about him, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. We're just talking about his, um, you know, what he's doing on the football field. 17 possessions uh, with 500 metres gained. He adds a lot of class to that to our side, especially on the outside. And it's the fittest I've ever seen him look. I thought he looked very fit and fast. And I think he'll be a real asset and weapon for this team, won't he? If he stays sensible off the ground, Dean, he will yeah. be, yeah, he will be a, a, yeah, absolute. As I said the other week, he's not in the side. He's not out of the side based on talent. And we all know what the issues are with Taron, but he looked like a guy that was hungry to prove people wrong. And uh, he certainly went about it really well. He's one of those guys, mate, you know, it's, it's 17 disposals from him is like 25 from someone else because he uses the ball so well and creates, uh, you know, so cleverly uh, that he's he's like a normal midfielder that gets it 25 times but butchers it, you know, seven or eight. So it was great to see him back on the field uh, and, and doing uh, what we know he does really well. I hope he can keep his you know, his mind and his, and whatever the issues were off the field in check. 
because he's certainly a joy to watch on the ground. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we, we pretty much, uh, as soon as he kicked that goal in the third quarter, I think we all forgot about uh, what he's been doing because that was a classy goal. Like, he didn't even look at the goals. He just knew where they was were. And uh, there's not many players that uh, would have been able to, because he was under a little bit of pressure, that would have been uh, able to snap that goal. And, yeah, he never looked like missing. And, uh, yeah, um, he has a lot. He adds a new dimension, uh, especially to the outside of our team. And uh, there was, almost, I was, I was just going to say, Dean. There was a couple of times too that I saw him repeat tackle, um, yeah. which was a, which which is a side of him that really went missing uh, last year. Uh, and there was some really some determined moments where he could have let a tackle slip, and he and he really bit down hard and and forced the stoppage. So that was that was great to see. Well, he does owe you know, the club and all, all the players that play with him a, a lot. So, yeah, no, it's good to see. Hopefully he continue that because the defensive side and his attitude during games has come into question in the past as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was really good to see. Um, and I think, yeah, having George Wardlaw in the midfield and Will Phillips and Harry Sheasel, I think that will just uh, help him uh, immensely, to be honest with you. Uh, we'll move to the forward line now. And it looked dangerous, didn't it, Jesse? And it was more from up the field because we moved the ball super quick, which gave the forwards every opportunity, didn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, our, our ball movement was far better this week. Our ability to get ball into the forward line looked a lot more dangerous. Yeah. Uh, I think it shows that we're better playing a bit more rushed football at the moment. You know, you you see a lot of the good teams in the AFL, their forward entries aren't perfect. They're not always pinpointing a a bull key forward, but they're getting it forward to their team and then giving their ground troops, you know, an ability to to get the goal if it goes to ground. Um, I thought that... You know, the fact that we we got, what, four, five, six, seven, eight, I think we got eight goals out of our what I'd call our three genuine key forwards, I guess. So Zohar and Larky and, and, and Coleman Jones, and it really could have been a lot more than that. So, yeah, the forward line was really effective. Any week that you scored just shy of 100 points in this league is pretty decent. Um, so I thought our scoring ability was pretty good. Uh, there were some defi- – definitely there were some shots that um, – we could have de- we could have scored that would have been nice, um, but it is yeah it is it is what it is. I, I thought you know Steve-O probably could have got a little bit more. I would have liked him to see him kick one or two more. But yeah, you're not going to complain if you're talking about three you know three of our main forwards scoring that many goals. It was far more effective. We need to get the ball into them. It'd be nice to have one week of Zerha and Larky both kicking straight. Uh, that would be great, but you know we'll get there. And at Coleman Jones, two goals from him, solid again. I thought starting to really tick the boxes for me. Yeah, no, it's a good point, um, Frank. We almost cracked, cracked triple figures for the first time since 2021 when we played Carlton. And like Jesse said, Larky and CCJ seem to be working uh, pretty well together and forming a good partnership, don't they? As those key forwards. I think the main difference from Coleman Jones was he held on to his marks um, uh, this this week, uh, or sorry, last week. I thought the week prior he almost uh, took, you know, six or seven marks, but I thought this week he sort of uh, really contested hard and, and did that, that bit. I think maybe they're getting used to each other's leading patterns and, and how things work. And, um, look, I, he's still got a way to go, Coleman Jones, but, again, 
you know, this is a great opportunity. He's got Tristan Sherry coming back through. Um, you put it on him and say, look, mate, the, the spot's yours until you you lose it. And um, I thought, look, I did think he uh, that Draper exposed him a little bit in the ruck and there was a couple of times that he pushed him around a bit easily, um, um, you know, with contested marks and stuff. Um, so he's got a bit of work there, but I think, you know, he, he he's probably more important to us as a forward. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I was pretty happy with how, how we went and, uh, and obviously Nick's doing a, a, a huge job, um, other than that, that, uh, reversal that, uh, we won't touch on. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he's doing, he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah. I mean, it's always the second one they see, uh, you got baited into that, uh, free kick, uh, and it was a really crucial time. Like you've, uh, mentioned before Frank as well, but uh, I think we're one point up and we had in the back flank towards the end of the third quarter and yeah, then uh, reversal and they set up and kick a goal. They kicked another goal to get 11 points up at uh, three quarter time. We managed to um, get uh, in front obviously in the last quarter, but uh, it still hurts. You know, if one point up at three quarter time might've been a difference between a win and a loss, but uh, yeah, yeah, hopefully he learns from that. And uh, it's not the first time we've seen a leader this year. We've had Jai Simpkin as well be undisciplined with a few silly free kicks as well. So hopefully uh, these individuals can, learn from that. Uh, Jesse, I've been a little critical of Zerha over the course of the last few weeks because we know the talent he has. Uh, but he took his opportunities this week with four goals, especially in the last quarter. I think he kicked three. And he looked like he was going to be a match winner, which is what we want to see more of and a bit more consistency, don't we? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think, look, the knock on him has been his consistency, uh, especially this year, uh, has been good in some games and, and, and not sighted in others so look he was really consistent he's he's goal kicking his pressure on the ball uh carrier he's uh i think he worked well with the other two forwards so they all worked really well in combination with one another as you rightfully said it's just a bit of consistency i think a little bit of it is that obviously at the start of the year he was played in the midfield a bit um and i don't know if that threw him in terms of trying to learn too many things or going away from where he was at um, it might be one of those things that once we become a little bit more consistent, we start winning some games, then we can we can throw him into the middle at bits and pieces just for the effect of it. Uh, but I, I think this, you know, the role he played this week is his best position. Play him forward, let him kick goals. We look far more dangerous when we've got him, Larky, and Coleman Jones up there. Yeah, with that, uh, I noticed Gary Lyon and Tim Watson asking the question uh, today uh, about uh, midfield time and uh, uh, how he got uh, more midfield time earlier in the year. And he sort of said, oh, we just got a lot of midfielders coming through at the moment, so it's limited me op- my opportunities to go through the midfield more. But he said it's something maybe you know, in the future or for the rest of the year, he might uh, yeah, he might go in there for the odd centre bounce. I think he might have had only one or two centre bounce attendances over the weekend. But, um, yeah, hopefully... Um, yeah, we can uh, get the best out of him uh, and, yeah, get more consistency over four quarters because probably for the first three quarters, he was, he was almost unsighted, really. So, yeah, I mean, he is an important part of our, our structure going forward. So, yeah, we just want uh, more consistency from him, but it is hard as a forward, I understand that. Uh, Frank, we drafted a small forward in Robert Hansen, but Phoenix Spicer, I thought, played a very good role for the team with nine tackles. And 54 pressure points, according to uh, champion data as well. How did you see his game? Because that's that's a, that's a problem in the team as well, a small forward. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Dean, the fact that we went and got and drafted uh, Hanson tells you everything you need to know that the club still thinks that's a that's a, a spot that we need some work with. He look, he did some things really well. His pressure was great. There was a couple of times that I thought he was given, you know, open space to expose uh, the opposition with his run, but he didn't sort of really do it. Um, again, I don't have a real issue with it. it he's not. It's not like um, we don't know, well, you know, Marnie can't play. We know what we get out of Kane Turner. Drury's been a bit quiet um, with his opportunity. So I've got no problem with playing Phoenix and hopefully that he, you know, he, he finds his niche. Defensively, great. He's putting on pressure. Just like him to get a bit more offensive and, uh, you know, kick some goals and, um, really carry the ball a bit more. But um, at, at this point, I don't see anyone in the twos that deserves his spot uh, any more than he does. No, uh, yeah, there's there's very little options. Like Blake Drury didn't do much in the VFL over the weekend. Um, like you said, Jack Money's out for the rest of the season. So, yeah, um, Kane Turner, we know what he brings yep. um, every week. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, but, uh, look, if he keeps doing that, then he'll keep, probably keep his spot on the team. Um, yeah, uh, just doing the defensive side. And, yeah, hopefully uh, the rest will come in the coming weeks. Uh, we'll go to the VFL talk now, boys. And we've got a good win in the end against uh, Essendon, kicking two goals in the last minute to win a close one. Um Good players. Uh, I'll go through some of them. Uh, I'll start with this one, uh, Jesse. Daniel Howe, 30 touches and six tackles. A chance <laughs> to come back in this week? You know what? He actually is. I I, I was I watched the entire game um, because, obviously, I, I was unwell, so I couldn't go to the AFL game. So I watched the entire game. He, he was really solid. Uh, he was good around the midfield. Uh, he had six tackles as well, you know, as his 30 disposals. So he was solid with it. He's a he's a good backup player, solid, very, very good VFL player. And I'm sure he'll be a great VFL slash uh, seconds country footballer for the you know, rest of his career. No, you were just talking him up and then you, you just uh, talked him some way back. He's, he's, he's a chance to come in, but there's some other blokes uh, who played on the weekend who I'd rather see get a go. Yeah, well, speaking of that, no, Greenwood, Cunnington uh, out for this week. Uh, so they've gone in the 12-day concussion protocol. So we've had Charles Lazaro, 25 touches with seven tackles. Ben Cunnington, 23 uh, possessions with seven tackles. Tom Pearl, not, not exactly setting the world on fire either, uh, Frank. Would you consider any of those mids to come in this week? Oh, yeah. I think Cunnington comes in uh, simply because of the... Uh... The, the similar role that he plays to Greenwood, that that sort of um, mm-hmm. that ball in the middle. So I think he comes in. Um, Lazaro uh, or Howe, I think, would probably be one of the other two that will come in to probably uh, take uh, Simpkins' spot. Um, Charlie, uh, I think we've touched on this. I think he's he's got next year to go. So, again, we just got to keep exposing these younger kids uh, to the opportunity, and who knows if there's a breakout game around the corner. But that they're probably the two I think that would make the most sense in a uh, a like for like type of um, uh, you know uh, replacement for the two that we've lost. But I could understand uh, someone else that has played well um, uh, coming in uh, uh, like a Howe or you know uh, uh, someone someone similar. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because we're playing at Blundstone Arena this week. So, Cunnington, 
yeah, if it was at uh, Marvel, I, I wouldn't have considered him. But uh, maybe at Blindstone Arena, he probably would be a good replacement for Greenwood this week. So, and he looked okay in the reserves, um, but uh, he still looks a bit slow. Uh, Paul Curtis uh, kicked two goals, only 11 touches, but had seven tackles. And that's the thing that's really been missing this year is his defensive pressure, hasn't it, uh, Jesse? It's, it seems to have gone away this year a little bit. Yeah, look, his pressure in the AFL games has been not non-existent, but might as well be. be. It's been pretty pretty poor. Uh, I thought he was good on the weekend in terms of his scoring ability. His pressure was significantly better. Uh, they pushed him up the ground on one or two occasions as well, and he was applying, applying a bit of a pressure in the midfield and around the wings. Um, so I thought he had a solid game. I'd probably like to see him do it for a couple weeks minimum before coming back in into the side. Uh, so I don't have him coming into my team uh, this week. Um, I, I think, you know, give him a couple of weeks to really build up, you know, that uh, that form in the VFL. Mm, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. He needs uh, – you can't just keep chop, chopping and changing him and putting him as a sub one week. I think he needs to, to find some continuity uh, with game time over a few weeks and find some real form in the reserves. So, yeah, and at the moment, yeah, based on last week's form, you can't really drop anyone out of that forward line. Uh, Jacob Edwards, only with the five possessions again, Frank, he's averaging 4.7 possessions a game at VFL level uh, across 10 games this year. And it's only kicked two goals, three behinds. There's concern about uh, how he's developing right now, isn't there? Well, I don't think he's developing at all, Dean, to be honest. I, <laughs> I watched him I watched him a couple of times uh, on the weekend as well, and I've paid close attention to him, um, you know, throughout the year. And he just looks like a guy that is just off the pace. Uh, there's no real urgency to his game. He, he tends to sort of jog around a lot in the in the, in the the background. Um, I just at this stage, mate, he would have to have a blinding second half of the year to be any chance of staying on um, next year. So you don't think he'll be on the list next year? No, I, I seriously doubt it. I just can't see the way he's going. Um, he's just... Mate, I'm all for, for progress, and I know older blokes take longer, but you've got to be doing more than that. Uh, I think you could find someone uh, playing high-level suburban footy that could give you five VFL disposals in a game. Um, I just think he's he's a long, long way off the pace. Could I throw an, an idea? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought about this a fair bit, and like as I, as I think I've said in the past, one of my friends does um, statistics for some of the lower legs and watched a fair bit of him as a you know, as, as a junior and in the year before we drafted him and really, really rated him. Um, he's not developing. I agree. His urgency isn't great. I I think if we got rid of him, another list, another team would snap him up straight away and try and give him a crack. Why don't we try him down back? He's playing in the forward line. He's struggling to get the ball. He is not... His running patterns aren't great. He's not looking super strong against other defenders. Um, he's not getting enough... So the two concerns I have is watching the game on the weekend, we didn't really have a ruckman and we didn't throw him into the ruck. I'd either give him the challenge and say, you're going to ruck out this entire game and if you're buggered and, 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 and you know need to have a, a throw up because of how much you're running, that's bad luck. Go run, follow the other ruckman around the entire ground so give him either give him the chance to be the ruckman because the other guy we've got running around the ruck and out there isn't much you know isn't much chop either, and or put him in the back line. 
He's then going to have to man up on someone. He's going to have to follow them around. He's going to learn leading patterns. You've seen big blokes do it before. We've done it before. I mean, Robbie Tarrant wasn't doing a whole heap as a four. He was doing a lot more, I will add, uh, significantly a lot more. But, you know, we got him to work as a defender and he had a great career as a defender for us. Um, He's still young, absolutely. But I think it would be worth throwing him down back for a while. Who cares if he gets a bag kicked on him? I, I think it's worth a shot. You know, he's playing in the VFL anyway. There's some real slow forwards in the, in the VFL he can play on. At least it then gets him involved in the contest and he'll actually have the ball around him, you know, on a consistent basis. Um, I think it's worth a try. That's just my opinion. And I have not seen anyone else comment on it at all. But he reminds me a lot of a deconing. Um and, you know, it's just, they took a little, a few years to get going. Uh, they're a bit thinner, a bit, you know, pretty tall. Say to him, look at De Koning down at Geelong. Just follow what he does. Just consistently just try and mark, follow your opposition around and then try and outmark them. Make it real simple for him. Mm. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. I mean, if it's not working, it doesn't look like uh, many players really look to pass to him, to be honest with you. I can't remember anyone to actually... Uh, I, I don't know how many times... How many times uh, people try and hit him up or anything like that? Um, maybe it's just uh, they don't have any faith in him, and he probably doesn't have any faith in himself. And at the moment, who we got in the reserves? We've probably got Lynette and uh, Callum Dawson as a key back. So you could probably throw uh, one more down there, um, you know, and just give him a try there. Even throwing, you know, if it's not working, um, you know, in, in the forward line, just trying to get a few cheap possessions in the back line or something like that, uh, just as a spare every now and then. But, uh, yeah, look, I don't mind that shit, actually. So, and it's probably just, a, like, I think he's only, like, 19 years old to be at the moment. So it might be just a, a year too soon to give up on him. And you want to explore all, all options. Uh, Liam Jones was pretty much done as an AFL footballer until they threw him in the back line. Well, that's um, a really good point. Yeah, you raise a really good point there. That's another player who hasn't made it as a, you know, as a as a forward. You know, look, I I think what he he I think he was born in O two, might have been late O two or early O three. So he's either twenty or he's turning twenty one this year. I don't think we're going to know a lot about him before he's you know, really 22, 23. So, I, I look, there's a part of me that goes while he's doing close to nothing in the in the seconds um, and not showing any signs whatsoever. I would rather... Um, I would rather give him a chance than not purely because if he went to another list and actually made it, it would kill me. Uh, I think that, you know, you've got to kind of ignore what he did do or did do last year because um, it was his real first year. Uh, he's had an interrupted, you know, few years because of the, of the you know, the COVID lockdowns, etc. cetera. Um, but, yeah, it just confuses me because I'm pretty sure he spent all of the, the off-season uh, training as a ruckman. Um, and I hardly see him in the ruck. So I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if they just think he's not strong enough, but surely give him a crack. Yeah, he doesn't ruck much. And we had a, a young bloke by the name of Keo who rucked pretty much the whole game. Uh, obviously, um, yeah, we don't have Hamish free for the rest of the year. And I think he'll be doing, uh, he'll be feeling influence for us. So I'm not too sure where he's from, that Keo bloke. Obviously, um, part of the top up list, but uh, for the VFL team. But uh, look, he was okay. But uh, yeah, it's just a bit strange. Right. That, yeah. 
yeah, it's just a bit strange that you go away from your own list of players to get someone from the country because you probably don't have enough faith in your own list of players to do the job for you. So, yeah, well, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how and what happens over the next you know, six to eight weeks for him. Uh, any other players, Frank, that might be a chance this week? Maybe Naden Core, and Bonner, Lockie Young, any of those uh, <coughs> tickle your fancy? Uh, yeah, well, geez, there's a name we've forgotten. Isn't it? Lockie Young, <laughs> it just uh, yeah, it just keeps working away. For really stiff that he hasn't had a chance this year, and he's a bloke that uh, could come into that half back role. Not that we're sort of you know desperately trying to cover a gap there, but um, I'm surprised he hasn't had an opportunity yet. Um, but no, I, mate, I don't think that they will make too many changes for me. I think it's going to be Howe and Cunnington or or uh, Cunnington and Lazaro, uh, only because of the effort of the uh, the senior team. Had they got beaten by 15 goals, I think there could have been up to four or five changes. But um, uh, I think it'll probably be those two and, and just get the others to uh, keep doing what they're doing. No, fair enough. Uh, Jesse, um, you talked about uh, Flynn Perez. Um, any chance of him, you think? Look, I, you made a really good point in terms of the type of player he plays. Uh, so, I, I think, look, my changes for the weekend, I don't have Cunnington coming into the side. Uh, I, I still, from this is just from me personally watching the VFL, I thought he looked a bit slow and off the pace as well at times. I thought he fumbled the ball a little bit, which is a, a bit of a worry. Uh, I think if any week he's going to get in, it is going to be this week because of the Greenwood being out. But... I would personally put in Lazaro and Howe uh, just because they play a different role to the Phillips, uh, to what worked last week in terms of Wardlaw Phillips being the, the real grunt getting in their type of players. So I would bring those two in as more of the outside runner, add a little bit more to the outside. Uh, in terms of Perez, uh, the one thing is that um, on the weekend, uh, Sheasel played all over the place. He played a fair bit, probably more of the game on the half-back line. And he played a little bit in the midfield and then he played a little bit up forward and obviously missed that last goal, unfortunately. Um, I would play... I wouldn't play him in the back line at all. I'd play him midfield forward and split his time evenly between that. And then I would find someone else to take his role down back. Um, you know, you've already got Hall and Zebel as runners. Or as, so you either bring in... You could, you could afford to have a Perez or a core in there, in my opinion. I don't think you necessarily need the three runners because, I, yeah, from a team, I would just rather have him playing up the ground. That's just my opinion on that one. But, yeah, look, Perez, I thought he had a decent game. You probably want to see him, probably a little bit like what we said about Curtis, you probably want to see him do it two or three and then bring him in. I will say one thing, Jesse, that if Cunnington doesn't play this week, I don't think he plays again this year. Yeah, I've thought about that. I think if he doesn't play this week, then the only time we're going to see him is, an, is if he absolutely has a blinder in the VFL yep. or is a farewell goodbye game. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, he's got a year to run on his contract. Yeah, so. yeah. It um, might be one of those things. I've, I don't know if he'd want to sit in the VFL for another year. Yeah, and, and, and look, and, I, and, I, and I'm not saying he deserves his spot. Um, I'm saying the pressure there at the yeah. moment with the midfield it's really hard to justify bringing a guy that that has his skill set into the team. And I would have thought now this week, if Ratton and the match committee go, look, uh, we just don't need him this week, then heaven help him when uh, LDU and Simkin and Greenwood come back. I just, I think yeah. he really battles. Yeah. And look, I think the thing with the matchup we've got, we've obviously, 
They've got GWS. They've got a few bulls in there in terms of, you know, uh, Green, they've got Ward who goes through there. They're, you know, they've got some genuine big players. So, look, it, it may, may set, make sense to get him in there and have the leadership quality of him in there because if he's not playing, then we don't have another leader in there. Taron's not obviously not a leader and he's just come back. We've got Shields who is a leader, but probably is playing on the wing unless he's tagging. So, it... it, it it, everything everything yells to him coming in. I don't think he yeah. had a great VFL game, but yeah, but yeah, you are right. If he doesn't play this week, I I think it's it's it's, it's kind of looking a bit dire for him, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I think uh, also he's probably the type of player that would just be happy to step away uh, if he th- yeah. if he realised, look, I'm not going, you know, yeah. I've got nothing left to give to any AFL. I think he'd be happy to step away and just go play, you know, country football as well. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't think, um, yeah, I, I think he's even mentioned this. Once he steps away from AFL football, you pretty much never see him again. He, he just wants to live the quiet life. And, yeah, it would be a shame uh, because we all remember the great and you know, great player he was. And he was the best and most important player a couple of years ago before, you know, he struck down with, uh, obviously, cancer. So, yeah. yeah, it would be a bit of a shame if his career did peter out like, like the way it is. It would be nice for him to get a good, you know, Few weeks of football, so but um, yeah, it's yeah, we'll we'll see how we go with that. Now, boys, I have kept you on long enough. Um, it's it has been a long show. Did you want to add anything else before I let you go, Frank? Uh, no, Dean, just um, yeah, let's hope that I think we're getting close to a win, Dean. I can almost sense it, so let's see how we go this week. That's yeah, it sounds good. What about you, Jesse? Anything else? Lock us in for a win this week. Yeah, like I've, not, I've, not, I've not seen the weather down in Hobart, so, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe it will be a torrential downpour, who knows. But without looking at the weather, and I'm giving myself some outs here, um, I think we win this week. I didn't think GWS were super impressive on the weekend, and I think we're hungry. I think the players want it. They were so close on two occasions over the last three weeks against, uh, you know, decent sides, and I think we were solid against Collingwood. We're down in Tassie, our, our, our past fortress. I think we get it done. Oh, beautiful, Jess. I've just told the wife we're going to pay off the mortgage. Um, so <laughs> if, it, if it doesn't work, I'm blaming you. Uh, all good, mate. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah no, hopefully we can get off to a good start um, and not be three goals down when we decide, oh, we'll, we'll turn it on now. So, yeah, yeah. No, we'll, hopefully if we can get off to a good start, then uh, we're definitely a chance here. We, and... and the recent history shows that if we're in a game in a game by half time, uh, we're, we're a very big chance to, you know, um, cause a boil over. That's for sure. And GWS, I mean, they did beat Geelong a couple of weeks ago at uh, Skill Stadium, which is a fair feat. But um, you know, probably on par with us, to be honest with you. So, yeah, at one well, recent form, anyway. Uh, Frank, it was great having you on. Thank you very much, Dean. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So thank you very much to those individuals for coming on. I did put the question out there on Sunday about thoughts for the game, and a lot of people were very happy with the young guys coming through. I did go through the Twitter comments. Uh, Some people were disappointed with the loss, but uh, that happens, and it's progress and effort which is all we can ask for right now. So I didn't do the uh, hangover show. Um, like I said, I just didn't have time to do it. Um, it's a bit hard when you work Mondays and Tuesdays and um, yeah, the usual you know, 7 till 3, uh, Monday to Friday grind. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's I think we've got a lot of Sunday games coming up, so that might be difficult to do uh, for yeah, the coming weeks. But uh, we'll see what happens. Anyways, that's it for today's show. Once again, thanks to all you lovely listeners 
for all the likes, retweets, and comments you all put out for the show. It's much appreciated. I couldn't do this podcast without your support. If you can leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform you use as well, that would be awesome. I'll be back on Thursday evening with... Oh, at this stage, Troy Makepeace and Marnie Cohen. So look out for that show. Um, anyways, that's it today. I will leave a shout out to Cameron Joy Johnson at Rueboy Star on Twitter. Until Thursday, bye for now and go Ruse.